Lace him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Well, I'd like to make this edition of Sunday Skate about Ken Laird, about me, about the dedication I've got to this show, to trudge here on a long weekend. I took Monday off, Kirk and Callahan, but I'm in Montreal, home of my uh, wife's family, her in-laws. We're here uh, for the weekend. I'm so dedicated to the show, Ty Anderson. I made it down to TSN 690, downtown Montreal, and I want to take some credit for that, but I just, you know, I can't do it with it on a morning where Tuka Rask is the number one star. Uh, Tory Krug's coming off a three-assist night. I think he was the second star last night. And you slogged through a blizzard to get on Kirk and Callahan. This is a Ty Anderson show, capping off a Ty Anderson week. So congratulations. You're oh, overshadowing me once again. Thank you very much. I, I always try my best to overshadow you in everything you do. So I'm happy to help here. Well, the, I mean, let's talk about this uh, uh, win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Obviously, uh, I don't want to say the city's buzzing about it, but you know, a lot of the discussion over the last couple of weeks on EEI has been about hockey and hockey interest and hockey talk on sports radio. Is this the kind of a win that's going to move the needle a little bit and wake people up who were maybe on the fence of, is this team for real? To go there last night without Bergeron, Chara, McAvoy, DeBrusque, and you lose Bacchus without much of the game gone, and punched Tampa in the throat, a 3 nothing shutout. First time this year the Lightning have been blanked, and you're playing your B squad. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a wake-up call for, for fans on the bubble tie, but it's certainly got to be one for the Lightning. Yeah, I think it has to be. I think you look at this game, you look at what they did last night. I mean, this was everything you want to see this Bruins team do, right? And, and it was quite remarkable in my opinion because Tampa Bay came in with they had rest, they had energy, I think based on their last game, they got their absolute asses kicked by the Ottawa Senators in their last game out. So the Lightning had something to prove. And I think that the Bruins, they answered the bell. The first two shifts of the game, I thought, were a little sloppy for the Bruins. But after that, they really took over. They controlled the tempo. It seemed that every time you expected Tampa Bay to turn it on and to really get this game going the other way, the Bruins came right back and matched the intensity, if not upped it. So if you're still on the fence about this team... I don't know what else you're waiting for. you got to buy in. This is when you buy in. This team is legit. I think when you're missing the players that they've been missing and you have a game like this, I think they were halfway through the game last night. Tampa Bay had seven shots on goal. Seven. This is one of the best offenses in the entire NHL, and you shut them up for 60 minutes. Just just an amazing game, I think. And, and, and you know, to your point, if you're on the fence, I, I, again, I don't know what else you're waiting for. Everyone is contributing. Every single player, from Adam McQuaid to Brian Gionta, you know, to the first line, whoever's centering the first line, it, it, it's just, I, this team is, is amazing to me. Well, it, it was a team effort to be sure. I mean, like, you know, Rask gets a shutout. It wasn't really about him so much. It was team defense. We can go through a lot of the different points of the game. I thought if the, the quote that stood out to me, though, for some reason, I there was, the Tampa feed was available up here, so I was listening to the Tampa telecast and their announcers, and they had Brad Marchand on as a guest after the second period tie. And he must have said five times, we're getting a little lucky right now. And I know he's on, like, he's aware he's on the competing television station. You know, he's talking to the Tampa fans. But he said it so often and with, with kind of a smirk, it was it was almost intentional. I, uh, it had to be intentional, actually, not almost. To the point of, you know, like, oh, this is a fluke. We can't hang with Tampa. You just got the sense watching him that he knew very well they were making a statement but they want to downplay it. They want to still be uh, that sort of uh, underdog team going up against Tampa. But at this point, I'm not sure anybody will buy that. They've got their number 
What did you put in your, your article on EEI.com? 8-2 and two in the last 10 against this team? Yeah, the last 10 games are 8-2 against them. I think that this has always been a matchup. I think the last 21 games, I think, which goes back a while, I do know, but I think the last 21 games, I think they're 15-6 and six or 16-5, and five, somewhere, along, somewhere along those lines there. It always used to be that the Bruins would lose to Tampa Bay uh, in Tampa, and the Bruins always uh, the Bruins always beat Tampa in Boston. It sort of flipped in a way, and now I think the Bruins they they tend to win no matter where the game is. Uh, but that that's rather interesting to see that the sort of uh, the, this rivalry it's always had its 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 you know its ebbs and flows here, but it's been all Bruins for the past I'd say three to four years now. And you know this is a matchup that favors them. I think that that's why I've talked to you about it when we've had these shows before, mentioning that. I think that the Bruins and Lightning are closer than people realize. I I really do think it's a real thing for them because for whatever reason, they've been pretty good at holding Nikita Kucherov at bay. Last night was no exception. He had one shot on goal in almost 19 minutes. I mean, they just know how to play this team. And they did under Julian. Now they do under Cassidy as well. I I got to give Kevin Miller a lot of that credit, right? I mean, how I don't know how, if you have the breakdown of who was out there against the Stamkos line the most, but it seemed like he was all over the place. He was physical with Stamkos. And one shot in 19 minutes from the Art Ross winner, uh, Kucherov. That's impressive. Yeah, it was actually so uh, at 5-on-5, five five, uh, I had this last night, I broke this down. Kevin Miller was against Kucherov for almost 11 minutes of 5-on-5 five five play last night, which basically, uh, you know, and I'm not sure how much he was out there for the power play as well, but every time Kucherov was out there, Kevin Miller was out there. So they found a way to do that. And, and if we're being realistic here, if the playoffs were to begin today, Kevin Miller is on your third pairing. You know, and so that goes to show you that this team, they, they trust everybody. They, everyone has a role, you know, and, and they, their, their minutes will change on a game-by-game basis. But when you can trust what is basically your fifth defenseman to shut down a legitimate Hart Trophy candidate and he does it, I mean, that really sort of, I think, should change your expectations or your your enthusiasm, I guess, for what this team can do come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, I can't see, like, Marchand saying it's lucky. What part of that win last night would have been luck if you look back on it? I mean, I guess you got a couple fortunate bounces uh, here and there, but it was just hard work from start to finish, right? I mean, aggressive in the neutral zone, blue, uh, defensemen standing up, which seemed to be a, a theme from Cassidy going into the game. Though I'm, sh- I'm sure they were uh, not impressed with their performance Thursday, gave Florida a lot of time and space, and uh, they, I mean, it was just a hard-working game from, from start to finish. They outworked Tampa last night, not lucky at all. No, no, and I, and I would agree with that. I think that the big thing, too, is it, I don't get too hung up on the Florida game just because Florida, they're one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now. I think that there's a little bit of a, of a shock when you're missing Chara and McAvoy. That first game, I think, was going to be a little rough, in my opinion. So, you know, I think that they've, they've moved on from that. And, and this is, you know, another point about this team is that they don't dwell on their losses. You know, they, they every it seems that when they lose, it's a shock because they, they lose so infrequently. But... I do think that this team, they've they found a way to sort of uh, move on. These players, they don't get hung up on losses. I think they're too excited about what they do to, to do exactly that. So, uh, no, and there's no luck in last night's game. I think maybe, you know, you go two for two in the power play to begin the night. Maybe that's a little lucky. But to your point, it's hard work. It's it's creating second and third chances in front of the net. I think that's a big thing that, that this team has been great at. When their power play is at their best, it's not just these one-timers from the point. It's not Pasternak blasting it over and over again. It's hard work. It's it's forcing chances. It's forcing goaltenders to sort of look around and wonder where the puck is. So they they found ways, I think, to to address that. And listen, your, your power play is not going to go two for two off the bat every night. But I think that when you have this work ethic and and everyone's doing their everyone's doing their part, you know, you're a more dangerous team, no doubt. For instance, the first two goals the Boston scores last night, Ty. I mean, the Pasternak finish is impressive. Like, if you just watch the highlights, you'll see that, and you'll say, okay, Pasternak, you know, 28th goal of the year. He's hot. He's a great talent. 
but it's all created by Wingles, and I think it was Riley Nash winning a board battle right as they get over the blue line, and they pop it over to Krug, who feeds Pasternak, cutting to the net. And the back is goal before he left the game. Uh, Rick Nash might not get any credit for that at all. I don't think he got an assist on it. But he lifts McDonough's stick behind the net, just a little slight lift of the stick, and all of a sudden Backus is alone in front and he buries it for the 2-0 lead. Those are the plays, you know, the, the cliche goes unnoticed, but that's the hard work that shows up on the score sheet. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think you look at that first goal, right? I mean, it, it really is sort of a, a mixed match of, of players out there because exactly what you're talking about. There's a middle of a change, but they're they're working hard. They're trying to keep plays alive. I think what Krug does there, too, is 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 great vision. He sees Pasternak going to the net. I think it would have been so easy for Krug just to light it up and throw a, a meaningless slap shot on net, but he doesn't. He sees, the, he sees Pasternak going. He sees he has time and space, and he makes that play there. I think that... That is when you know this team is rolling, when they're not forcing plays, when they're using their time and space, and they're using what, what is basically their hard work to wear teams down. There were so many stretches last night where I watched that game, and I said, Tampa is lost. They, they can't get the puck out of their zone. This is unbelievable. And, and when you consider the fact that they're the home team, they have last change, again, well-rested. To, to look that stuck in the mud against the Boston Bruins really speaks to what Cassidy can do. It really speaks to how he can motivate these guys to go run through a wall for him. This is game, what, 68, 69 of the regular season. This team should not, they should not have looked as good as they did last night given their losses. But again, this speaks to the whole idea that it's next man up for them. It, it actually is next man up for them. And, and right now it's working. I guess the question, you know, to trot out would just be does this win? Get you to buy in if you were on the fence about the Boston Bruins at 617-779-7937 here on Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Ken Laird in Montreal. Ty Anderson back in the EEI studios in Boston. And, uh, you know, the number one seed is now legitimately in play, Ty. We kind of joked the last few weeks that they have no shot. I think uh, one of our frequent callers, Freddie in New Hampshire, kept uh, pounding that on his last couple calls. They can get the top seed. I didn't buy it. Uh, I, I I don't think you did either. But at this point, there are two points out. If they had won Thursday, they would have been in a – actually, I guess statistically, they would have had the first seed right now, right? Because the uh, what well, the tiebreaker is the uh, regulation overtime wins. Well, right now it's games play. I mean, it, it would be games play. They still have one fewer game than the Lightning, so so they would have the same okay. amount of points. So so they'd be, in tie, they'd be in a tie that way. But either way, if they had won Thursday, they would have been in first, or at least a, a virtual tie for first. As it stands now, you've got a game in hand. You're two points back. You play Tampa twice more. As Ty says, you've kind of owned this team lately, or at least uh, it's a favorable matchup. You're missing five of your best players last night, and you embarrassed them on home ice, not to mention the Bruins fans that were there sort of serenading the team. I don't know what the split was, but you could definitely hear the Tuca chants and the Let's Go Bruin chants down there. So I think Tampa Bay has rattled ice. I really st- I'm starting to believe they will get the top seed here. I've flip-flopped in a week, uh, Ty, and uh, you know what what comes into play there, though. I guess for Cassidy, with all these injured players, will be: Are you going to really go balls out and play? You know, how badly do you want the number one seed when it comes down to it? If they if they're within a couple points, are you going to really push Backus to get back in there, Bergeron, et cetera, et cetera? Does it really matter to you that much? Well, I think that they're trying to show you that they don't need to rush these players back to win, and and I don't know if that's a, a necessarily a recipe for long-term success, but I do think that. Yesterday's comments were sort of telling in a way. Cassie said that he wants Tuca to play eight or nine of the final 13, 14 games of the season. That would indicate to me that this team, they want to get that top seed. Because I don't think Rask plays that many games unless you're going for that top spot. So I think that's something that I walked away from that saying, okay, they, they want this. They want this number one spot. And, and I think that's a real thing for them because they understand how good they are at TD Garden. They understand how good that... 
uh, you know, having last change, I guess, benefits them, if you will. They know that it's really tough for teams to beat Chara McAvoy and the Bergeron line at the same time. So if they can do that, if they can control what is out there in a seven-game series, especially against a team like Tampa Bay, I would say last night makes you think it doesn't matter. But over the course of a seven-game series, that will matter. So I'm all in on them going for it. All I'm telling, the, telling you, though, is that if there's another injury, I'm going to say, I'm out, I'm out. Rest, guys. Please just go into the season healthy because if it's what happened last year where you're limping into the postseason and you're icing a roster that's not really your best, I'm going to have some concerns there. It's going to be a real bummer because I think you've seen what this team can do. Like, some of them won't be an issue. Like, DeBrusque was concussed, right? So, I mean, he's either going to be cleared or he's not going to be cleared. Uh, what's the Chara injury? You know, the upper body. Is it some kind of a shoulder, or what do you think? It, it's upper body there. They're 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 going to be secretive about it, but it is one of those things where uh, the sense I get is that it's not going to be season altering. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna play it carefully here. It's similar to sort of the Bergeron injury, I think, where where they're looking at it and they're saying, you know, you could play theoretically, but why are we going to do that? We don't need to do that. You, we have a spot here. We're close to it. Everyone's playing pretty well. I thought Thursday, honestly, without Chara, I, I thought that Brandon Carlo was one of their best defensemen on Thursday. I really thought that. And that's the first time I've said that all season. I thought he's had a really forgettable season. But to sort of see how he played uh, on Thursday was pretty encouraging. Again, last night, I think, with Kevin Miller uh, and, and Matt Grizzlick, that was a great, great defensive outing for them. Uh, so, you know, it's, I would say go in on the first seed. But if there's another injury, that's when I'm going to probably back off that, that, uh, that point. I fear Toronto more than Tampa at this point. I mean, it's like uh, you don't want to overreact to one game. Uh, maybe just Tampa had an off night, whatever. I'm sure they'll counter punch and uh, study the fit, you know, the film and everything else. And the next time you play Tampa, they're going to be a little more prepared for the way Boston plays. And it is a weird scheduling quirk that these teams have only played twice now this year, right? They played once in November. Uh, that was a 3-2 Boston win. So, you know, Tampa doesn't know the Bruins, I guess, that well. And they'll... They'll do some things differently, but you just, you know, you watch them last night, Ty, and you size the, the rosters up one against the other, even without all those players that Boston has. Do, does Tampa really, do you fear them that much? I mean, the Stamkos line is a juggernaut, but if you take them out, it's a big if, I guess. The Brayton Point line is good. I mean, they were the more effective of the two lines last night by far, but beyond that, I think the Bruins have a deeper team of, uh, you know, uh, forwards when everybody's healthy. That Paquette-Callahan-Kunis line doesn't scare me much. And, uh, you know, Hedman plays like 30 minutes a night. I thought McDonough was going to be a huge factor. Uh, I didn't notice him that much last night. I don't know if you No, did. I, I didn't notice him once, which I thought was a little concerning if, if I'm a Lightning fan saying, this is basically the game that you got him for. This is the matchup you got him for. And I don't even notice him. And granted, he does play an understated style. We, we can all admit that, that maybe when he's at his best, you don't completely notice him. But I thought he would have played some sort of factor last night. I didn't, I didn't notice him one, one, like one, with one the time. Line. That's like maybe he stood out in the second period. That's it. Or he, he broke out of his zone and he did a, you know, did a 360 and moved the puck. But... Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. He was not like uh, he's he's a smooth guy, as, as you say. He does sort of blend in, and it doesn't like a McAvoy. Sometimes you don't appreciate him until he's gone. But may, maybe it's going to take him a little while to get up to speed. I don't know. Tampa was just asleep. Yeah, no, they were wretched last night. There's no there's no way around say, around saying it. They were a terrible team last night. I, I, I and was this the Bruins beating them down into the ground? I really don't know because I thought that their their second period they had a little bit of a spark. And then once Riley Nash scores, it was gone. They were they were done. They checked out. They said, we're not doing this tonight. Pack it in. Let's go home. And, and you know, can the Bruins get to this team mentally? I think so, because I think you saw last night, you saw, you saw Tim Schaller getting under Steven Samkos' skin. I mean, that is, 
That is a play. that is a yep. big that is a big difference in a seven game series. If they can annoy the best players in the Lightning, which I think they definitely did, the Lightning were freaking out. Anytime the Bruins even went near the crease, the Lightning were like on high alert, just trying to bop everybody in the face. And uh, you know, on top of that, you know, just talking about how they get under Tampa skin. We'll say Toronto's rolling right now, but they've won twelve in a row at home or something. Um, that's a team that at least at Air Canada Center, the atmosphere is so different there. It is. It's just intimidating. If there's something about playing in Tampa where just, you know, it it would I would imagine the playoffs it would be a healthy dose of Bruins fans, if not half Bruins fans. Think how many transplants you have down there, right? Yep. And, and I think you could you could easily make a case you'd rather face Tampa from that standpoint alone. Forget forget about the talent, just you know, not not having to go into the to the Hornets' nest and play the Leafs as it stands right now. There's no chance you would play Tampa in round one, right? I mean, I, I can't see them going uh, off that far. No, no, no unless, unless, yeah, because I don't think the Leafs could even necessarily. I mean, they could, but there's almost no chance that they're going to pass right. both the Bruins and the Lightning and force a force a round one matchup between these two teams. No, I think if you're being a real, if you're being realistic here, you have to say, okay, well, I like our chances more against you know New Jersey or Columbus in round one instead of the Leafs. I think divisional rivals, it's it's harder to sort of game plan. I think for a seven game series right off the bat, you know, I, I go back to the and this wasn't a divisional matchup, but I go back to that 2012, that first round uh, the Bruins had against Capitals. They lose in seven games, but I think if you look at that, if you look at that playoff structure, if you get out of that round, I think you're back in the Stanley Cup Finals. So I and I don't I don't want to say that this year has that exact feel. Obviously, that Tampa would be a challenge, and I think Pittsburgh would be a challenge in round three, for example. But I do think that the first round, if it is indeed the Leafs, it's going to be the toughest round for them yep. because that's a team that that they have a lot of history with. Frederick Anderson has played them really great. Uh, that that would be a tough game plan, I think, to match around. Obviously, the X factor there is is Matthews healthy, you know, and, and is Bergeron and McAvoy are they one hundred percent? You know, if, if these things shape up, the Bruins I think would be the favorites. Uh, but it's going to be a closer series than you would imagine, I would say. So, so going back to what we talked about, go all in first first seed until an injury happens. Then I say I back off. And you'd face possibly the team you're playing tomorrow night. Columbus is one of those teams you might play. Columbus, Jersey, or Philly really seem like the three other options if you avoid Toronto in round number one. Um, that you know some of the other storylines this team has going on right now, Ty. The new guys that have stayed healthy. They brought in four new players at the deadline, and Sweeney looks more and more like a genius every day. Uh, Rick Nash, Tommy Wingles, Brian Gianta, Nick Holden, all playing big minutes last night. I, I, again, it's like Wingles. I don't notice that much, but. You can't say he's been a failure. He's 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 at least showing up every night. He's fitting in. Gianta is way above what I thought he would be, and Holden <laughs> looked solid last night. He's had a couple of decent games. Yeah, I think that's been the big thing. I I think that you know, and I wrote about this this week is that these depth pieces, what what they're doing is they're helping you stay afloat, and they're not taking minutes away from the young kids. I think which is which is really telling to me. It's really important that this Bruins team they've stayed true to what they wanted to do. You know, I think that Nick Holden comes in. He's on your left side, but Matt Grizzlick is still playing. You know, they moved Holden to the right side. You know, all depends, I guess, what the lineup is. But one of those things where he's come in and he hasn't necessarily forced one of the young players out. You know, I think that Grizzlick has sort of earned his spot. And I think he will be in that lineup come game one if the playoffs were to begin today. Uh, you know, with Wingles and Gionta, these are third-line players that are helping give Danton Heinen a rest or relaxing some of his responsibilities, if you will. You saw it in Carolina where they lose to Brusque, and, and you say, okay, well, who's going for the second line spot? Is it going to be is it going to be Wingles or Gianta? No, Cassidy stays true to what he's done all year. He puts Heinen there. Heinen rewards him with a goal, I, I, and I think that goes a long way for a player's confidence. I really do. So I think that they've done a great job of, of managing that. 
and and finding ways to uh, let these guys contribute without taking away from what this team's ultimate goal has been this year. So you can't get you can't get upset about this because I think that you look at what they lost with these trades. Robbie O'Gara was not doing what these players are doing. The free, the future fourth round, third round picks are not doing what these players are doing. And and this is what it's about. This is about this year. You have Chara, Bergeron, Rask all playing really well this year. Take advantage of that. Build around them and go from there. Now, where does Ryan Donato fit in all this? The Harvard kid whose season ended Friday night, right? They lost to Clarkson. Uh, they, they're not going to be an at-large bid. They're not an at-large bid for the Frozen Four tournament, right? So no. yeah, he's done and available. Uh, any buzz of, of whether there's a chance he... I mean, and I guess he would go to Providence first if he does turn pro. Yeah, he would. still, I mean, you know, that's... With the injuries this team has right now, would it be beyond uh, uh, reasonable to think in a, in a week or so you might see him in the lineup for a game or two? It, it wouldn't surprise me if they do the whole Forsbach Carlson thing where they sign him and they burn a year. You know, they have him come up. I, I would almost expect it in a way. I don't think that he, he touches the ice in the playoffs unless there's another injury. You know, if DeBrus doesn't come around or if Heinen falls off the face of the earth and Gionta looks 39 years old all of a sudden, maybe they bring him up. But I, but I would say that they're going to go pretty – they're going to take this, this one slow. I, I don't think that they look at him and say, okay, he's ready to go right now. I don't think he's McAvoy. I really don't. I just think that McAvoy is a special talent. Not to say Donato's not, but I think there's there's a little a little more that he has to learn before he jumps right into it. I think so. So that's a big thing. But I would say that well, yeah. do they have to promise him anything? Because there, I mean, if he wanted to, he could turn pro at the end of the year and be a free agent, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's probably a handshake agreement there, sort sort of like Forsbach and Carlson, where hey, I'm signing, but I'm playing a game. We're burning a year. You know, I think that's a real thing for them that 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 they would have to consider. So. If it comes to getting him signed, now I would say this: people who freak out about this guy and and the whole VC situation, he's not going to do that. His dad was a Bruin. His dad has a great relationship with Don Sweeney. The the the, the Bruins have made a point to keep a great relationship with with Donato. They they love this player. They want it. They he wants to succeed here. He's a hometown kid. He wants to be here. He's not going to jet off as a free agent. He will be signed. It's just a matter of what is his role. That's a Ty Anderson guarantee here on. Uh, it's a lock. It's a lock of the week. I, I would. He's he's going to be here. It's just a matter of what is his role this year. I don't think his role is Chris Kreider for the Rangers back in what was it, 2012, and he came right in right. in the playoffs. I don't see that being the case. I wouldn't be surprised if injuries happen and, and make that so. Uh, but but well, I, that's I don't see that. The same thing people said last year about McAvoy, right? There's you know don't expect him to come up, and then all of a sudden he was one of their best players in the playoffs. Well, you, you also lost four defensemen that year, right? I mean, you, you lost... Well, they've lost four forwards at this point, right? Well, that's true. I mean, but I think that they, they like the bodies they have. No, but if there's, you know, if there's another injury, I don't think they want Anton Bleed in their top nine. So I think that's when you'd see Donato maybe step right in there, and you got to figure it out from there in terms of where he fits. But I expect him to play at least one game for this NHL team before the regular season is over. I'll admit there's the double standard, too, because with Brian Gionta's Olympic performance, I was like, eh... Not impressed. Not going to be make that much of a difference. And then every time Donato scored or was an you know was a factor with Team USA, it was oh man, they got to get this guy signed. So I don't know how ready he is. Obviously, there's no way that, to tell that. But the fact that Gianta's game is showing up makes me a li- talk myself into Donato can play at this level a little bit too. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing Donato has to work on is his defensive game, and and, and maybe you can mask that if you put him with 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 Riley Nash or with Bergeron. I don't see you breaking up that Bergeron line to put Ryan Donato there. I really don't. 
but but he he has some work, I think, away from the puck. I think that's the big thing that they look at that. They look at his Olympics and they say, hey, the goals are great, but what's going on here in the neutral zone? What's going on here in the defensive zone? How can we improve upon that? So I think that's a big thing, and that, that could be a reason why you don't see him in the playoffs. I, I think that if they say, okay, we need more work here, you know, it's tough to say, hey, go out there on the road against the Tampa Bay Lightning where we don't have last change or the Maple Leafs. Like, that's a tough ask for a kid like that, I think. All right, Sunday Skate presented by Star Market, Ken Laird and Ty Anderson. Give us a ring, 617-779-7937. The morning after what really is sort of a stunning win over Tampa last night. 3 nothing to shut out without Bergeron, Chara, McAvoy, DeBrusque, and Backus leaving the game, too. Um, you know, you could easily have, if they lose 5-1, to one, just be this morning talking about you could understand why they got blown out, etc., etc. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't happen. They come out and make a statement last night. So what changes with the win? Does it get you to buy in a little bit more if you were on the fence? And coming up, Ty, I want to talk about the expectations now with this team. Realistic expectations. What are people really thinking is going to happen in the playoffs with the Bruins headed there right now? Sort of a powerhouse. 98 points with 12 games remaining. We'll talk about that and size up the remaining schedules with Boston and Tampa. A lot more on the table. Kent Laird and Ty Anderson, this is Sunday Skate on WEI. All right, Bruce Cassidy after the 3 nothing shutout of Tampa last night. Kent Laird and Ty Anderson here on Sunday Skate. Not the prettiest hockey tie. I guess he's right. I guess it's not like one of those uh, sizzling wins that would uh, you know, get you leaping off your couch. But um, it just in terms of the impressive team win, unexpected with all those guys out of the lineup. And uh, I think back to last year when they made the switch um, – with uh, Claude Julian, I'm up in Claude's uh, neighborhood here on his back porch in Montreal, and uh, people were mocking Bruce Cassidy. You know the name. Our good buddy Pete Shepard said there will be no Cassidy magic. We're seeing a little Cassidy magic here, right? And we're seeing Don Sweeney magic. This team uh, on pace for like 110, 115 points before it's all said and done. Pretty Borderline incredible. presence team. Borderline right. presence trophy team. Right. It might might happen. I, I um, they have 98 points now. They have 12 games left. They're 45 wins. Uh, the last uh, time they won the President's Trophy, I guess it didn't go so well in the postseason. They lost to the Habs in the second round there, but um, they're start, you know, peaking at the right time, sort of. Except they're losing all these bodies, and I guess it leads me to just the question of what are the realistic expectations? If they do finish as the top seed, are you going to expect them to get to a Cup final, or is that still a little extreme given the youth of the uh, the roster when they're healthy through up and down the lineup? I mean, I would say that. If you are the top seed, you should get to the third round. I think that's that's sort of where I would say, okay, and then then it becomes a coin flip because then you're talking about a, maybe a Pittsburgh, you know, maybe a Capitals team. We, we know how that goes. Maybe the Flyers. I mean, those are hard matchups. I think that that those are some good teams there. But I think if we look at this right, like if we look at their first their potential first round opponents or their second round opponents. We got to be honest here. They've—I looked it up during the break. The Bruins have won 17 of the last 22 games against the Lightning, and and that—that's been under Cooper. That's John Cooper's team. That's what he's done. I, I think that's sort of where you've seen the Stamkos and the Kucherovs, and they've—they've they've worked their magic there. Against the Leafs since Austin Matthews, they have one win in eight games. That's hard. I mean, that—that's—that's that's a tough matchup. So, uh, you know, I, I want to sit here and say, oh, they should be this, they should be that. But one of the first two rounds, it's going to be a hard. It's going to be a hard matchup for them at some point. I think that Leaf series, that is the truth test. If you can get through that series, I think that your your potential sort of it's limitless in a way. I would agree. Now, of course, this depends on if everybody's back and healthy. But the core is old. You know, they're aging. Um, that being said, you know, you got you do have a bunch of significant free agents. Like this, I don't want to say it's a one-year window here, but the Nash brothers are going to be free agents. Wingles, Gianta, Holden, 
uh, Chara, uh, no contract extension yet. So for now, this could be his last year. I don't think anybody believes that. No. But you know, Hudobin, you go through. They would lose a. It would be a pretty big turnover. Uh, if you love this roster right now and think this is, you know, this is they're in a nice spot, the good blend of youth and and veterans. Um, so, <laughs> you know, they've got to take advantage of it. I guess is the bottom line, and health will be a big part of that. But you're right; they would be expected to go at least two rounds and probably three. And I think we have to be honest too. The NA, look at the NHL. Look at the way that the NHL is set up with this hard cap and what you're able to do, and what you're what you're not able to do. I think that you do have a three year window here. We have a mix of guys on. The contracts that you have, David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, David Backus, etc. You have all those guys, and you have the youth. You, you need the guys on the entry-level deals because they're affordable and they're cheap. And, and I think that's that's why you need to win the Cup right now or within these next few years because you're going to have to pay DeBrus. You're going to have to pay McAvoy. You're going to have to pay McAvoy a lot, by the way. So I think that this is their window. In a way, I mean, you have extensions of the window and, and, and whatnot, but you need to win when you have these guys and the in the – the kids on their affordable deals because, it, it, as we've seen, it's very hard to manage this to a point where you keep all of these young players, you keep all these veterans without having to make a trade and, and really worsening your club. Look at the Blackhawks, for example. When the Blackhawks won, what makes the Blackhawks run so impressive to me is the fact they've had to tear it down and rebuild, I think, on three different occasions now. And and now you look at them. Now that they're paying $21 million for two guys and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, and they're going nowhere. So I think that's a real thing. Uh, Ken, how do you feel about taking some calls? Let's do it, and we're going to do apologies here to start uh, both of them. Maria's going to apologize to you for Tory Krug after we get. <laughs> I think we have to start with Fred in New Hampshire, though, right? Or did you punch up Maria already? Uh, uh, I mean, no, we, we start with Freddie. We go to Freddie because uh, Freddie's been pounding the top C drum for weeks here now. Freddie, I apologize. My apologize, Fred. I accept it. I accept <laughs> it. Uh, Stanley Cup or bust, guys. Uh, you know, this this not year doesn't go by. You've got to go for the Stanley Cup. And if this team is healthy, the only thing that's going to stop them from going to the Stanley Cup is themselves. Okay? But health is a concern. Because last night was the best game of the year, and it was the best game of the year because they shouldn't have been on the ice with that team. But that team, the Boston Bruins, are a team, and they play like a team. And that's how they won last night. But they didn't only win. They shut out the highest-scoring team in the NHL. So um, I was impressed last night. Now, Yesterday, I was ready to, to bust on Nash this morning because I saw him fly by in that, that game. In, um, in, Which Nash? Um, Rick Nash? Yeah, Rick. He, he'd been flying by the game in Florida. He wasn't even present. And I'm going, you know, you get guys out of the lineup, and you, you're not out there being one of the top players on the ice, which you should be anyways. And, he, and then last night he came out, and he played like he should. He was a force. Yep. Now, you just can't take time off. And that, that's what my, um, my worries about Nash was going into the playoffs. But the second thing is, when I was in 1968, you know, I loved me some Peggy Fleming. In 76, I loved me Dor- Dorothy Hamill. But, you know, figure skating isn't the NHL. And for that Bacchus hit, for him to be thrown out from that, I do not want to see the NHL go that way. It just, it's, don't take the hits out of the game. The last Thanks, Freddie. Seventh, We're good. Seventh player award. Oh. Hoobie. Hoobie number one. That's Ty and, uh, and Dale's. You, that's your next podcast, isn't it, Ty? You're going for the big seven-player award? That is. That is. That's what we're going to be doing. Uh, Hudobin is a great call. I think that's a great call. Uh, speaking of Freddie's point about this being a team, they have three play- They have four players in the top 100 and scoring this season, which is kind of remarkable given how good this team has been and how high-scoring this team has been. To only have four players, and they're all in, they're all in your top line, and the other one's Tory Krug. So 
I think Marshan's the highest. He's at he's at sixteen or seventeen, somewhere around there. So they don't have a superstar. Well, Pasternak's going to rival his mid thirties goal total from last year. It looks like, right? It was he at thirty four last year? He's going to get there again. I mean, he's kind of a star. Yeah, no, 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 he is. I'm not saying that, but they don't have a guy like a Connor McDavid or a Claude Giroux, Nathan McKinnon. They don't have any of those players that's the, that you'd say it's carrying their offense. I mean, this that first line is yes, but but this has been a balanced team to, to what to what Freddie is saying that this is a real team that I think that when you look at their depth, I mean that's why they're the good. That's why they're a great team. It is their depth, and I think you look beyond that. When you have when when you're at full health, if you have the Bergeron line and the Krejci line with DeBrusque, Krejci, and Nash. It's so hard to game plan for it. It's what we've talked about. It's pick your poison, and I think that you know if if this team goes anywhere, it's gonna be on the back of it's gonna be on the back of having two different lines that can score. To uh, Freddie's point about the uh, the Nash high hit call from earlier in the week, as bad as that was, what was the call for goalie interference on Achari last night? In the the, oh, you mean period? the guy who did everything he could to avoid bumping into the goaltender? And they that's still... <laughs> unbelievable. Those are two really concerning calls. If you're just a fan of the sport and watching the Bruins this week. Especially, especially when the league says, hey, you know, we're going to let goaltender interference kind of go. We, want, we, we don't want to take away from the players. And you call that? What, what are we doing here? I, I don't know. I'm really dumbfounded. The only thing I could think was that's a, just a homer call. You know, it was a fight afterwards with, with Dotchin and Schaller, and they just figured, I don't know, give, give one to Tampa. Let's see their power play on the ice. Let's wake the fans up. I, I don't know. That was awful. One of the worst calls I've seen in a long time. Now for one of the best calls we've seen in a long time. Yes. Let's go to Maria in Watertown. Maria, would you like to apologize for your continued bashing of Tory Krug with Ty Anderson in no. the house? No, it wasn't a bashing. It was just my opinion, but I will say I was wrong. Um, That's acceptable. Go ahead. Is that, is that okay, Ken? Yep. Can I yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, thank you. We'll... Thank you. <laughs> um, you know what I find very impressive about this, this team this season is you know, when they play a messy game as they played against the Panthers and their ability to, you know, whatever the coaches do and work on with these guys to clean things up and play as tightly as they did last night and also still be able to score goals while doing that. And I think that's, that's huge. It's a huge kudos to, to the players and, and the coaching staff. I do still, um, to, to echo Freddie's um, thoughts who called before me, I, I still would like to see more consistent play from Rick Nash. I, I, I want to see what he did last night on a much more regular basis. I think he needs to do that for this team on a much more regular basis. And, you know, while I wasn't really, you know, gung-ho on, on the President's Trophy, I would like to see them have home ice throughout the playoffs. And to me, given what I've seen from this team, um, I think the expectation of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals is within reach of, of, this, of this group of players. And the other thing with regard to officiating, um, they have a serious, serious problem. When David Backus gets thrown out of that Florida game for the so-called, you know, targeting of the head hit. Right. And then I see Tom Wilson in the Washington Caps Islanders game the same night leave his feet, throw an open ice kill shot. I think it was at Nick Zekas, basically laying him out on the middle of the ice, and all he gets is a penalty and is allowed to stay in the game. To me, the NHL officiating has serious, serious problems. Well, it Thank creates for problems the for the players. Uh, thanks, Maria, for the call. I mean, just the mixed messages. If you're if you're Bacchus, like he even verbalized this week, Ty, right? You were talking to him. He, he, 
he's hesitant. There are times he's admitted he's been hesitant. Do I am I aggressive? Am I not? And that's going to cost you. I mean, you can't play in the middle. So does the league want to remove all headshots from the game, or do they not? And it's every week you see, as, as Maria says, some that they do, some that they uh, they do not. I think the, the the most telling thing for me is that Bacchus is on the the competition committee, so he's in these meetings and he's sitting down and he's he knows what a, a bad hit is. He know he knows what they're just, they can and can't do. So I think the line has become blurred. I think players they just want to know what is what is a penalty, what, what isn't a penalty. I think that's the biggest thing for them. If there's that gray area, that's when you know crap hits the fan, and that's when it's hard for these players to play the way they want to play. Uh, I do think that. Sort of the Bruins have they they found the way uh, I think to toe the line. I, obviously, Marshan is the guy that that really can't do it all that well. But I do think that overall they've they've found what they can and can't get away with. And you know, I, I, listen, I like what Backus does last night. I think that before he gets injured, he comes out swinging. He he wins the the first face off of the game. He doesn't style. I, I think that he went back to being who he was. He he didn't look gun shy in my opinion. From you know when it came to throwing the body around and, and establishing himself physically and. You would have liked to have seen it over a full 60 games, uh, or a full 60 minutes, rather. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not really overly concerned because we know how this league goes. They, we know they're going to swallow the whistles in the postseason. It, it's just surviving right now without another suspension, I think, is the biggest thing because that's when the ears will perk up and that's when these referees will look at David Backus with a, you know, with, with, they'll pay more attention to him similar to how they do Marshan. So you really don't want to see that happen. Uh, I, I'm not really worried about that, ultimately. But that that would be my one concern, uh, you know, if, if I were the Bruins and Backus heading into the postseason. Which, by the way, another feather in the cap of Cassidy, right? He makes the change with Backus to the top line because of faceoff problems from Riley Nash, and Backus wins a big faceoff. I mean, I guess it was on a power play there, but uh, to start the whole play, so uh, yeah. an impact with what he's trying to, to to create. As far as the Rick Nash questions, I mean, I hate to use the pump the brakes phrase, but Rick Nash is not a forty goal scorer anymore. He's just not. He's not consistent. He's just not the player he was. There are going to be games where he disappears. That's that's who they traded for. I think if people expect him to be a force every night, you just your expectations are way too high for Rick Nash right now. Yeah, and I would. Agree. I mean, I would agree with that. I think that you ultimately have to look at it when he has these quiet nights, when he doesn't score goals. You have to look at it and say, okay, well, did he do anything wrong per se? Because I think he's had some nights where he's been quiet offensively, but he's played great on the PK. Or he has some some good D zone shifts. He's helped the transition. I, I think make it a lot easier with especially without McAvoy. And with this defense, a little more defense first, he's really supported his defenseman. I think so. I look at it from that point. If I'm not seeing that though, if I'm not if I'm not seeing the shots on goal or or the points or the effort, and I'm not seeing the defensive zone play, that's when I'm going to get concerned. I think right now he's doing okay. Uh, I, I do think that his 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 start. I mean, it, it obviously got you really excited thinking that you were getting the Rick Nash of ten years ago. But we have to be realistic about it. We have to sit here and we have to say, okay, well, there's going to be there's going to be quiet weeks. I think the biggest thing right now is when that line doesn't have Bergeron, that first line I'm talking about. I think teams are starting to key in on that second line, the Krejci Nash line, and, and it's about them sort of playing. I think a little bit better. I, I think last night was a great example of what he can do, even when he's not scoring. I mean, that line was matched up against the Stamkos line throughout the night, and they really held them at bay. I would say uh, they used them as a shutdown line, which is kind of unusual i think uh but but it's it's it worked out so you're going to see different ways that they're utilized each night and when that happens maybe the goals don't come as frequently as they as they do when you have a fully healthy bruins roster all right final segment of sunday skate presented by star market coming up a couple calls to get to i'm ken laird at the studio of tsn 690 in montreal the great ty anderson from wei.com holding down the fort uh, in Boston, and I think Ty is going to tweet out a picture of his mom coming up next. You want to tease that? We're not uh, doing that. We're yep, not doing that tonight. Coming up next here on Sports Radio WEI.
you go. go uh, rat a tat tat. That's the way it is. Sunday skate from Montreal. Powered <laughs> I was a, bi- by I was a biggie Market. guy. No, you are in New York. Uh, great, great appearance by you on KNC this week. Well, not great. It was, it was, it was fine. It was solid. But you wouldn't tweet out pictures of your mom. That was the big takeaway from the uh, show this week with Kirk and Jerry. Why, why would I do that? You why, have a why smoke show mom that's got a tattoo sleeve, and why not just the sleeve? Why can't you just tweet out a picture of the tattoos? No, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I, I listen. I made my Look, tattoo are you, are deal. Are you committed to the show or not? You know, this is the stuff that comes up. I made I made naturally. my deal with those guys. We can all get tattoos together. We're not going to look at pictures of my mother, though. <laughs> We're not doing this. We can all get tattoos, it's though, together. It's just her arm. What's so me. wrong about that? I don't understand why you got so upset about it. Uh, no, no, don't start this. It's just, it's just the arm. No, no. They're, they're telling me to tweet out pictures of my family. We're not doing this. This is not how this game goes. By the way, how upset was Dale that you appeared on Kirk and Callahan on the podcast this week? He was... You know, I don't want to say seething, but he was upset. It was pretty obvious. Um, I'm trying to parlay this. I want to appear on all four shows one day. That's what I want to do. I want to do K and C. Then I'll then I'll do a little cameo on the crossover. You right. know, on the ten to two. Then we'll do the two to six. And then uh, I'll join Mud at night, and we'll have a big party. The uh, Bruins a big three nothing shot out of the Lightning last night. Here's what's left: twelve games for the Bruins, eleven for Tampa. Ty. Boston has one game in hand. The Bruins' schedule is a little tougher. They have seven road games, and Tampa has just five. And the Bruins have two more playoff teams, I think, on their uh, remaining teams than the uh, Lightning have. So when you size it up that way, it's still going to be a tough task. But you do play them twice. And the next matchup will be uh, in your building, right? March 29th, 7 p.m.? Thursday night at TD Garden. That's going to be a big one. And obviously, you you look at this week even, Columbus is a playoff team. Technically, I guess St. Louis and Dallas aren't, but they're sort of bubble teams. So it's it's this is not an easy week, actually. Monday, Wednesday, Friday against three at least quality, you know, somewhat respectable teams. Dallas is in a free fall, but yeah, I was, I was going to say those teams they are falling. I think that that is the big. I don't know. That's a big trip that I look at and say, okay, if you can, you know, what is it? it you have you also have Minnesota and, and Winnipeg there. I mean, if you can escape that with five or six points, that's that's a victory in my opinion. And then your last, uh, well, the four games after that whole stretch, you come back, you get. Uh, the Tampa game Thursday, Florida again, Philly, and then Tampa. So that's that's a hell of a stretch uh, or surrounding kind of a wraparound weekend series, the end of March and early April. So, But it, you, you've made it fun now. The best part of the win last night is it looked like they were just going to be the last three weeks of the year t- uh, time mailing it in, sort of just resting guys, you know, getting ready for the Toronto series. Not anymore. That win last night puts them very much in the picture, and uh, Tampa's got to be concerned. You know, they're, they're, they're now seriously worried about Boston catching them. Yeah, as well they should be. I think, and you look at sort of what is going to be happening here. I think that, you know, I I, I really think that this team it, they're in Tampa Bay's head. I, I I think that they've always matched up well against them. And and my concern, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan, as I look at yesterday, and I say, okay, you don't have like Vasilevsky is not what Vasilevsky was four months ago. He looks very much like a tired goaltender. Can they fix that between now and the postseason? I don't know. But I know that you need a rested and healthy goaltender in April and May to go anywhere. We know how this works. We've seen this before. I, I do think that's a really big concern for, for me if I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. And if I'm a Bruins fan, I look at that and I say, okay, that's that's where we can target. That's where we had the leg up over this team, even with Rask's recent struggles. I think Rask, he centers himself last, he centered himself last night, played a great game, made some huge stops. Uh, he's great against uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, in general, turn of, in sort of his career. So I, I walk away from that, and I, and, you know, I think that your faith in Rask should be a little bit restored. We'll see how he performs this next week. Uh, but last night, I think, did a lot for him as well. All right, well, coming up next, Villani and Bradford are in. This is the show that 
ticked off Dale in the first place, right? He got on his Bruins rant on the podcast, so it's all coming full circle here. And speaking of tattoos, I think Bradford has an Ortiz tattoo, which he has not showed us yet. It's kind of in a supposedly in a private location, so maybe we'll get that picture today. Isn't it a back piece? It's like a back piece with yes. Ortiz doing the point yeah. to the sky, and it says, yep. thanks, Poppy. Yep. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. So hopefully he'll reveal that. Uh, your pictures of your mom's tats will be coming out no. at some point here in the next couple minutes. No. It's been a good show. It's been fun. Uh, you guys have another podcast coming this week. Zero Pucks Given back on. Yes. Yes, we are back on. We need to find some studio space. This uh, this week, Keith had a uh, podcast. and I Oh, fr- yeah. He's got first priority. Yeah, yeah. That was a big thing. That's, that's a, that's a moneymaker. So we were bumped. You know, Ty goes to the runner. All right, Ty. Good work. And your dedication is appreciated. Uh, whether or not your your performance was A+, plus, you came in, you made it in on Tuesday on the snow day. That's more than Gary Tangway. Can exactly. Say. I'm better than Tangway forever and always. So that's all that matters in my opinion. Unfortunately, Tangway's back with us tomorrow morning on Kirk and Callahan. But listen anyway. Uh, Kirk and Jerry will be there. <laughs> and they're the stars, of course, of this unbelievable Aaron Hernandez documentary going on. The second part of it tonight. And uh, the guys will be talking about that tomorrow. Uh Enjoyed it. Volani and Bradford are coming up next for four big hours leading into Red Sox baseball. Stick around for those those guys. I'm Ken Laird. Thanks to the folks here at TSN 690. Back next Sunday with Sunday Skate, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning here on Sports Radio WEI.